0: You're new with us, I'm Jay, I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad to have you here uh, today. And uh, we are wrapping up a series called Close and Far today. As we've been talking about uh, the last few weeks, how we should, as, as uh, the church, as the body of Christ, as members of that, that we should be uh, living and walking out a missional lifestyle. That uh, being a missionary isn't something that's just for those that go to third world countries and, and those kinds of things, but that it's really something that we should live out every single day. And, and our call from Jesus is to go into all the world and to share the good news and to share the gospel. And that also means next door. That also means in our city streets. That means uh, right here in our own neighborhood and to practice seeing missions um, as a part of our everyday calling as Christians. And so I want to start where I started actually last week, which is in Acts 1-8. And in Acts 1-8, Jesus is speaking, and this is really just as much a a part of the Great Commission as the passage in Matthew is. Um, But he says this, is the last thing that he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we know that he's talking about starting at home and working our way out. And it's the last thing Jesus says before the ascension. And it's, it's the charge that he gives to his followers. But he's not saying this to just a few specific people. He's saying this in a group setting. Yes, to all the group that's there. But also he's saying this to the church at large. And so this is a charge for all of us. All of us that that are followers of Jesus, this is uh, something that is for us, and so the apostle Paul, uh, who wrote thirteen of the twenty seven books in the New Testament, took this uh, seriously as well in fact, in in uh, Acts chapter nine, Jesus said, "This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of israel and so Paul was individually and specifically called into this in a very specific and certain role and to take it to the ends of the earth, and he certainly did that, but not all of us are called to do that. Not all of us are called that way, um, but all of us are called to support the mission and to support it when the opportunity is there. And when the opportunity is there, we we should lean into that. We said last week, and we're going to continue to say, that we can do more together than we can apart. In fact, I'm doubling down on it to the point where I made a shirt about it, (laughs) right? And you can actually buy this shirt on our website right now. It's in four different colors, and it even says Connect Church on the back. And I'm not doing that as a shameless plug, because I could care less if we make any money off of it. I'm dead serious. This is to inspire us, and as a conversation starter, and as something that we should really be able to say is who we are as the church, is who we are as the body of Christ. Um, And so this is something that we're going to continue to say over and over again. But together certainly means serving within our local church. It definitely means that. But it means so much more than that. It means supporting those in our city and around the world who are doing the work of the Lord as well. See, it's not about this church versus that church. It's not about our logo versus their logo. It's about the church. It's about the big C church. And so a quick reminder of the brutal facts that I talked about a couple of months ago. Population of Summit County, 537,000 people on average. Statistically speaking, 90% do not know Jesus. We would consider them lost have not found Jesus uh, or do not have a a relationship with him. Maybe they've heard of Jesus, but they're not following Jesus and they don't have a relationship with him. That's a big number, 483,300. That's a real big number to look at. And so it would take, you know, almost 1,200 churches this size full to accomplish that in Summit County. And there's not that many, if you didn't know that. But let me ask you this whose job is it to reach them it's ours right yours and mine it's our job um, and so I wonder if we're willing to do what it takes Paul was willing to do what it took he understood the mission that he was given and he gave his life for it and so are we willing to do the same Maybe not necessarily give our life for it. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. That's a hard question to actually answer just sitting here right now. But, you know, Easter is an opportunity coming up in a couple of weeks to make a dent here. And I hope that the church in the city, not just Connect Church, but yes, Connect Church, is pushing to that end. I hope that all of us are pushing to that end because in eternity... When we're in eternity, the things that we worried about walking in here today, the things that you worried about when you turned on the live stream, are those things that you're going to be worried about when you're in eternity? Maybe, maybe not. But I wonder if when we are in in eternity, are we going to be able to say that we made a dent in those stats knowing that God used you and me to do that? I'm uh, blessed and honored to be an ambassador with the One City movement as a part of Love Akron. We support Love Akron as a church. They're one of our missionary partners, Uh, but I get to be a part of this One City movement that was spurred off of that, and I get to partner with pastors and leaders from other churches and organizations, and they're up here right now um, that are part of the ambassadors, Uh, and they're in this city to work together. We say we work together in various ways to build trust, bring unity, and draw people Closer to Jesus. We believe that we can do so much more. For the kingdom of God together. Than we can apart. Uh, And we like to say this. We focus on who we are. And who we belong to. Which is Jesus. Not what we are against. Or tolerate. And I'm so blessed to be able to to be a part of this and to be um, in this group with these people. Some of these people become dear friends of mine. And uh, and I'm thankful that I get to partner in ministry with them. Um, We say we're united under the banner of one Savior with one mission for the betterment of one city. And I'm humbled to be a part of it. And as a church, we are a part of this as well because this is one more resource that helps bring us more and more opportunities to support the mission and to make a dent in the statistics. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16 um, today. And as you turn there, I want to talk about Paul and I want to kind of set up a little bit about what we're going to look at today because the story we're going to look at today, I don't know how many of us have actually looked at it. Um, There are some cool stories in Acts 16, um, but there's one in particular that we're going to look at uh, that's a part of uh, the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey, and so as he's on this second missionary journey, uh, he and Silas, they head out uh, through modern day Turkey and into Greece, and then they swing back through the Mediterranean Sea, and they finish up in Caesarea, and then Jerusalem, and then to Antioch, which is the home sending church of them, so it's about three years in total. Um, And as I said, this takes place toward the beginning of that story um, in Philippi. And uh, they ask a young man named Timothy to join them at the beginning of this chapter. Um, And funny enough, he had the same ethnic background as Paul. um, And Paul was already, as we see here, he's already investing in the next generation. Um, he, He saw how impactful they could be and how Timothy could be impactful for the kingdom. And Paul was looking for young people to bring alongside and to empower and to push forward. And I would encourage you to do the same. I would encourage you to do the same. Listen, one of the greatest joys of my life and greatest rewards of my life is is that exactly. To change a young person's perspective for the glory of God is something that is... um, you just can't put your finger on it, and, and I can't really explain it. It's just an awesome thing that God does, and it's one of the main reasons we built the Multipurpose Center and why it is so crucial for the future and the vision that God uh, has given us. But as we read this part in Acts, it's, it's a little bit different than than other parts of the Bible because it reads almost like a journal of Paul's Uh, travels. Uh, In fact, it very much reads that and and in many ways it is that. Um, But we see him going to the ends of the earth and we see the support that he's given as he does and we also see the favor of God in all of this. So I'm going to be starting in verse 11 in Acts chapter 16. So so let's read this here. It says, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace and the next day we went on to Neapolis and from there we traveled to Philippi a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Pretty sweet, huh? You're like, what? (laughs) All right. All right. Paul here, let me explain this to you a little bit because this actually is pretty cool. He followed a plan to plant churches into the major cities. And if you don't really understand the map and stuff of the time, this kind of goes right over your head a little bit. Um, But he knew that it was easier for the gospel to spread from these cities. And so the reason this is listed is to show the strategery of Paul, right? He was very strategic. That's not a real word, by the way. He was was very strategic in what he was doing. There were a lot of retired Roman uh, soldiers that settled in this area after the Second Roman Civil War. And so there was definite strategy here. Um, But he also knew that Philippi had a strong connection to Rome. And so this was not going to be easy. In fact, the statistics looked a whole lot like the Summit County statistics that I showed you earlier. In fact, they were probably worse than that. And so this was not going to be easy. He was going to need help. He was going to need support. And he needed to connect with people who would help to bring unity and who could bring understanding from different cultures that were clashing together. So let's go on to verse 13. It says on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of of prayer. So that he's expecting to find like a synagogue or church, something along those lines, nothing. So they're just gathered at the river. He said, we sat down and began to speak uh, to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So Lydia here is considered to be one of the first documented converts in Europe. And Thyatira, where she's from, was very well known as a center for purple dye and fabric that was made from it. And we'll get into that here in a minute. But later, the city of Thyatira, there was a church in Thyatira. It's listed as one of the seven churches that's addressed in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. And so this very well could have been the beginnings of that church right here. But before Lydia was converted, which she demonstrated by her baptism, her baptism didn't make her converted, she demonstrated it through her baptism, Uh, it says the Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart, and this is something that's important because this is a work that God must do in all who believe because Jesus said in John 6, he said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and so we see how important it is in evangelism is asking God through prayer to open the hearts of the people that we get the opportunity to share the good news with because without that, there can be no genuine conversion without their heart being opened. You see, if the heart isn't open, then don't expect it to move. I think sometimes we do that. We expect the heart of someone to move whose heart is not open to what God is saying How many of you can relate with this? You share and share and share with someone. You share tons with them and you invite them to church and over and over and over again and it just seems like you're getting nowhere. Doesn't seem to matter. Might be because their heart isn't open to it. Maybe, maybe you haven't prayed to that end but maybe you also haven't found the common ground and actually gotten to know the person. Maybe you haven't, found that relationship building thing that needs to happen there because it does take time. It takes time. And you need to build relationships. At the same time, I would ask you to look in the mirror because if your heart isn't open, then God isn't going to move in you either. If your heart's not open, don't expect him to move in you. And if we're closed off to certain people, If we're closed off to certain cultures, then we may be more closed off to the Lord than we want to admit. We may not really deep down be buying in to this idea that's on my shirt, that we can do more together than we can apart. See, it says she invited us into her home and she said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. They needed a place to crash. Right, and then it says, and she persuaded us. So, what's interesting is immediately Lydia begins to do the work of the Lord and she does whatever she can, she's looking for opportunities. But she was from Thyatira, she was from Thyatira, and let me tell you what that means because it means Lydia had wealth and it means Lydia had influence, she was wealthy and she had a lot of influence, and that is why she had to persuade them it says but they were open to the Lord they were open to the Lord especially after she was baptized they were open but she's from northwest Turkish town of Thyatira known for their craftsmen and those who were in the, in, uh, the production and sale of expensive purple dye because it was really expensive at the time this was a big deal to be someone who sold purple cloth and purple dye was a big deal. She, she was wealthy and she was a member of that guild. And we don't know all the details that went into um, how she got into that. But we know that she crossed uh, into northern Greece and she established her business and her base in the Roman city of Philippi. And you don't just happen to do that. You don't just accidentally do that. Um, She was an entrepreneur, more than likely. Um, And she must have had enough money to buy into that franchise because you don't just fall into something like that. And Lydia used her connections to help provide for the church. Right away after her conversion, she used her connections and her influence to provide for the church and her resources. And we see her conversion in Acts 16. It shows how we can all be missional like Paul. Wherever we find ourselves, but it also teaches us more about what disciples look like. We've talked about what, uh, what it means to be a disciple, but another aspect of being a disciple is that a disciple helps provide for God's people. Someone who is a disciple helps provide for God's people regardless of where they're from or where they're headed. They help provide for God's people, but if the heart isn't open to it, then the heart's not going to be moved toward it so as Paul speaks uh, the Bible says that she listened and opened her heart and the Greek word there for opening her heart there it talks about listening and, and a continuing process of, of listening and, and moving meaning Lydia had been listening to those at the riverbank and growing in her devotion to God but that day when Paul shows up It led her a little bit further down the road. Others had planted seeds. Other circumstances and relationships had been built and and her faith was starting to grow. She was starting to get her questions answered and Paul just happened to be the one to give that last little push for her to give her life to Jesus. And then it says she and her household, all in her household, gave their lives to Jesus and they were baptized immediately and immediately after that began trying to help the mission of God and it 's an incredible thing, Paul and Silas, though they needed to know that they could trust her, they needed to know they could trust her, which is you know goes back to that needed to persuade us but um, but after her conversion and her baptism, I believe that's really all they needed because Lydia and her family then became a part of the family of faith but let me ask you this question what if what if Paul and Silas just didn't trust her right off the bat because she wasn't from there because she wasn't from around there they, they maybe just didn't give her the time of day because of where she was from what her status was or wasn't see she was rich she was rich and most wealthy people in the day were really not trusted especially women in that culture just is what it is Women in that culture were not trusted as, as much. Paul and Silas could have fallen right into the stereotypes. They could have fallen right into the stereotypes, gave them a God bless you and just kept on walking like we do so many times. So let me ask you this, do you have trust issues? Do you have trust issues with people that don't look like you? With people who aren't from where you're from? people who might be in the family of faith but you don't really care because they're not from your neighborhood or maybe they are in your neighborhood and they're a couple doors down but they dress weird and smell or whatever and you're like "Mm, I don't know I'm unfamiliar there let's get real for a minute that list of people in, in the one city movement and the ambassadors that are there right along with me that may have concerned some of you or made some of you tilt your head when you saw that And you don't understand necessarily everybody's culture or where they're coming from. And so instead of seeking understanding, you just automatically write them off. We do that a little too often, myself included. You may not say these things out loud, but your actions and your reactions speak volumes. Listen, the kingdom of God will not be all that it is intended to be if we have trust issues amongst ourselves. And we know for a fact that heaven is going to be a very diverse place. So you better get used to that right now. (laughs) Heaven is going to be a very diverse place. Look at what happens later though. Throughout the chapter, some awesome things happen that are usually talked about when this chapter is brought up. There's a really cool story. I mean, it's awful read at first, but it's really cool what happens at the end of it, where Paul and Silas, they get framed, they get arrested, they get beaten, they get thrown in jail, and then God miraculously rescues them as they praise and worship while they're in jail in chains and all of that and uh, this earthquake hits and it shakes the jail loose and their chains fall off and all. That. And this is usually the story that's told when the preacher says open to Acts 16 is that story but I'm skipping it. I'm skipping it today and I'm just giving you the Cliff Notes version. The jailer that was there um, he knew that he was going to be killed for letting this happen and so instead he tries to turn the sword on himself and kill himself and Paul and Silas are like hey, 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 no, don't do that. Hang on. And he ends up being converted. He ends up being converted and coming to know Jesus as well as his entire household. His entire household. Paul and Silas end up being released and legally released because they were Roman citizens. And so it wasn't just them escaping and taking off and running and hiding. They were actually released legally Granted, there were still people, plenty of people in power there that were not big fans of them. So they get out of prison and look at this. Look at this in verse 40. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, where did they go? They went to Lydia's. They went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And then they left. What what does this tell you? House church, right? Right? This is the brothers and sisters, meaning all of those that come together. And you better believe the jailer and his family comes along and is a part of this. The first place they go is Lydia's house that was as diverse as you could imagine because of where this was planted. And, it, and they were open to the Lord using them and adding to them. And this was the first church that was established in the continent of Europe. And it all began at Lydia's house. It all began at Lydia's house and if they had just written her off and kept walking, what would have happened? See, 11 years later, Paul, he's in a Roman prison and he writes a letter to those at this house church in Philippi. And this letter we call the book of Philippians. And the church in Philippi Was healthy and strong and generous, and they supported Paul throughout all of the rest of his missionary journeys. And in many ways, they were the model church for the time. All because, all because Lydia's heart was open to the message of Jesus and of Paul, and of Silas, and of Timothy, and of Luke, who were all there with him. And then they trusted her. And she was willing to help and provide for God's people through the means that she was blessed with and able to provide. See, we can do more together than we can apart. She funded and bankrolled the first church in Philippi. And this ended up being The model church. Paul's relationship with that church, it's a model for us today. Especially in regards to the idea of missions. Especially in regards to that. You know, God's plan is to reconcile humanity back to himself. And the church is the chosen vehicle for proclaiming that message. And the thing is, missions is not limited to specific people. It's for the entire church missions is for the entire church it is intertwined within the body of Christ it's, it's not just a separate thing that we do it is part of who we are to accomplish the mission that God gave us through the means in which we are individually able to contribute and we were created and called to do missions is for everyone and it has been since the beginning it is for each and every one of us And so I want to do something right now that's a little bit different. Uh, We are going to pray together. And um, not that prayer is different, but we're going to pray specifically for our missionaries right now. I want to ask all of us, if we would, to pray for our missionaries. I'm going to ask Kevin if you'd come up and just pad for me a little bit here while we pray. We didn't pre-talk about this, and that's my bad. But here's what we want to do. We want to... We want to lift up our hearts and our minds to the Lord and to ask for his favor on our missionaries and on our missionary efforts here at Connect Church and around the world. And so I want to ask all of us, if we would, to bow our heads and join together. We're not going to pray out loud like we've done in the past, although if you would like to, feel free to lift up your voice. But I want to guide us through some time of prayer together for our missionaries this idea that we can do more together than we can apart so right now would you begin to pray for our missionaries we have 19 missionary partners and organizations around the world and in this city would you pray for them pray for protection for them for support for them would you pray for them now pray for our teams that are going to Memphis and Guatemala this year. We've got a team of students going to Memphis in June and a team of adults going to Guatemala in August. Will you pray for protection and provision and resources for them as well? Pray for them now too, please. pray for our local mission, for our community mission team, for the Easter basket giveaway that's coming up next Saturday. Would you pray specifically for that, that we can use that to be the hands and feet of Jesus and that it would be a doorway into sharing the gospel with with others in our community? Father, I ask that you would be over all of our missionaries that are abroad with our missionary partners that we support all around the world and even right here in our own city. Jesus, I pray for protection and support and resources for them. That nothing would stand in the way of what you've called them to do to share the gospel. Lord, I pray for those that are going to be going to Memphis and to Guatemala. Lord, we're privileged to be able to send some people out from here to go and do your work so Lord I pray for, for the same for them for protection I pray for provision I pray for every dollar that they need uh, to, to make this happen and I pray for the hearts of those that they're going to be able to reach and Lord I pray for this Easter basket giveaway that's happening next Saturday Jesus I pray that you would bring each and every person that, uh, that is in need but more importantly are in need Spiritually, then maybe this would be um, something that would bring them to you. God that this could be a seed that's planted that, that is one day harvested just like we saw with Lydia and and finally through Paul. Lord, we have such an opportunity in our in our community and in our city. so Father, I pray that you would inspire us and empower us. And give us those divine appointments and those opportunities to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. Lord, we have such an opportunity this Easter to share the good news. So Lord, I pray that we would use the postcards, that we would use the Facebook events, that we would use anything and everything necessary to get those in our circle of influence. Whether it's here or even another church around the city. Lord, I pray for every church in, the, in our city that we would all be united in reaching people for one mission, for the cause of Christ. God, use us, we pray, in your name. Amen. I would actually encourage you right now, if you've got somebody, if the Lord brought somebody to mind that you're like, man, I've, I need to invite them to Easter. I wanna challenge you literally right now. Get your phone out and text them. Right now. Text them, praise God. There's one person. Text them right now, invite them to church. Invite them to church and it actually ties right in with the connection point for the day. Which is what is your part in the mission? I would challenge you to ask yourself that question. What is your part in the mission? Yes, for our missionaries and our missionary partners around the world for sure. We have 19 missionary partners. Could you go back one more for me? We have 19 missionary partners and organizations that we support. And if you haven't visited the mission wall out there, I would encourage you to go do that. Visit the mission wall and check it out and look at all of them. Grab a prayer card, pray for them. And would you consider supporting them on a a monthly or even weekly basis? I do and so would, would you be willing to maybe go over and above your regular giving and support our missionaries so that so that we can support them even more but are you a part of supporting the mission in whatever way that you can that doesn't just mean money that means our time that means our resources that means our, our effort that means our prayer it's not just money as the people of God, as the church, it's our duty to pray and support and encourage and, and, and do the work of the ministry, both in our own sphere and in the wider world. And Jesus is trusting you to help support and provide for the mission. That's as simple as I can make it. All of us are gifted, all of us are blessed and equipped to be used for the mission, whether close or far. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Father, I pray that we would take this challenge seriously. As we all are a part of the mission, I pray that we would take this seriously. And Lord, some of, some of what you've called us to do might be uncomfortable, and that's okay. Pray that we would just seek your face in all of that and that you'd guide and direct us into what we should do. Lord, I don't want anybody to feel pressure I want us to feel and hear your calling to what we should do. So Lord, speak to us. I pray if there is one here or one watching that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, that's the the greatest news ever is that you came, you died for us, You rose again on the third day as we're going to celebrate in a couple of weeks. But Lord, we celebrate that now. And I pray that if there's one here that hasn't found you, that maybe maybe they've been that seed that's been growing and they just have a few more questions. Lord, maybe today might be the day that they get that push toward you a little more, which is exactly what you had in mind. Father, use us. Speak to those that need to hear from you. And whatever that might look like, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name.